As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hi there, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and across the Six Nations as Europe's elite go head-to-head in rugby's oldest international competition. Each week, we'll be looking at the QBE predictor, which forecasts the results of each round of matches. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rochelle Travers, and this is The Leader. Warning, this podcast contains strong language, as well as major spoilers for With Open Eyes, episode 10 of season 4, the last ever episode of Succession. So if you haven't seen it already, you best go watch it before you listen. I know that we've said the worst things, but I just wanted to get a few things straight. Dad said that it would be me. If we want to hold on to this company, for us, we have to go into battle with our own version of the future, with the king. Succession heads, that's it. We finally have our answer. Waystar Royco's next CEO, and with it, the actual successor. Four seasons, 39 episodes, umpteen brutal insults, countless F-bombs, and all that family backstabbing have amounted to this final decision. The 90-minute finale didn't disappoint, with twists and turns right up until the last moment, resulting in the crowning of an unexpected victor and ultimately delivering one hell of an unhappy ending for basically nearly everyone. Here with me to review the final ever episode of Succession are... I'm Elizabeth Gregory, I'm a culture writer. And I'm Hamish McBain, I'm the deputy editor of ES magazine. So first of all, Liz, episode 10, season four, with open eyes, the last ever episode of Succession. Can you just give us a recap of what happened? So episode 10 begins with Kendall and he is trying to rustle up enough board votes so that he can stop the Gojo deal from going through. And then Shiv and Matson are also trying to get enough board votes at the time that we join the episode it looks like Matson and Shiv have it they're looking for Roman because they both need him for the votes and he's in Barbados at their mum's house so they go down to that Barbados there are a couple of fights they um, anoint Kendall um, and then they go as a group 
to um, the the boardroom um, to try and stop the Gojo deal. And obviously it all built up and the actual successor was revealed. Kind of a, well, ultimately Matson won, but Tom ended up being the new Waystar CEO. Were you satisfied with that ending, Hamish? Yes, I think broadly speaking, I was. my knee-jerk reaction was, oh, I want to know a bit more about what's going on with these people. I wanted a bit more of an ending-y ending. But having reflected and had a few texts from Liz arguing, <laughs> uh, I, I, I do think it was a really good ending and really clever and a really smart choice in the sense that – and I think Jesse Armstrong made this point somewhere where he just basically said, organisations like Waystar, it is always the slimy, middle-of-the-road, middle-manager, Tom-type people who ultimately rise to the top because there is so much bureaucracy and bullshit. And So, yeah, in that sense, I thought it was a slightly – depressing but very very cool ending and Liz you've been team Kendall throughout this yeah it was a rough one for Kendall fans (laughs) for sure yeah Yeah, particularly because um, he's been kind of groomed for this position since he was seven years old he said Um, and he literally like he said he's a cog that only works in one machine so the fact that he was then now he will never ever get to be the CEO of Waystar it's kind of he's completely lost so in a way it felt kind of brilliant because it was this kind of Shakespearean tragedy, you know. Um, but on the other hand, if you're rooting for Kendall, it was a bit rough. I also think that, um, you know, to be a team Kendall for a second, I think that it's been pretty apparent throughout the entire series that Kendall is always really, really, really actually believe that, that there is nothing else you can do. Whereas Shiv has gone off and done politics, you know, Roman doesn't really care, is just kind of happy to playing the weird mind games of who's going to be leader. But really, I think Shiv or Roman could take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. I think if you're talking about where the characters go from here, I do think that Shiv and Roman will find something else fulfilling to do, whereas I think Kendall, this is what will define his life. Yeah, this moment will define him. Yeah, And obviously, we've not really touched upon what happened to Shiv and Roman in the end. Shiv, uh, it all came down to Shiv's vote and she ultimately decided to go against Kendall and instead chose to back the Gojo deal, ultimately making Tom Waystar CEO. On paper, you know, she's married to the CEO of Waystar and everything, but it's kind of a hollow victory for her. You know, it's not exactly the life she would have ever chosen, is it? No, it felt like a very, very, very strange decision. Um, and I'm, I still haven't, I, cause it's only been a day. I still haven't kind of. It's gonna take some time. <laughs> yeah, to kind of grapple with what, why she made that decision. It was so spiteful. And, you know, did she really, like Kendall said, want to give it to Matson and Tom, who had kind of betrayed her again and again? And, and then there she is sat in the end in the car with him. And so you could analyze it and say, this is what she's used to. She's used to these kind of, if her father messed her up repeatedly, maybe that's what she kind of like, how she sees a leader and that's she wants to be with Tom in that way. I, I, I don't know. What do you think, Hamish? I think that my, my thought that I've had quite recently is that she was being quite pragmatic about it in the sense that she looked at the two options that were on the table, all, you know, vendettas and poisonous thinking aside and just thought... With Kendall, I'm just not going to be involved at all. Mm. With Tom, I can maybe control Tom, especially now that I'm having a baby with him. And I can still have much more influence within Waystar Royco, 
with Tom as a kind of patsy CEO, especially given that he's going to spend the rest of his life feeling incredibly guilty about what he's done to her. Do you think? Well, probably not. <laughs> I retract that statement. Uh, but, 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 you know, I, I feel like maybe that was informed her decision that she just felt at least I can control Tom. I can manipulate Tom and get him to do what I want to do. But that said, I think the driving factor was very much a spur-of-the-moment decision, it felt like. It just felt like when she looked at Kendall putting his feet up on Logan's old desk and the fact that he spent – the minute they walked into the building was just walking around like he owned the place. And I think she said to Roman at some point, she said, you'd be bad, but he'd be unbearable. Mm-hmm. And it was more just that. Just, just She just – her childlike sibling – kicked in and just went he's so annoying no and that that trumped everything I totally agree I really feel like if Kendall had given her a second you know when she left and she wanted to kind of go and take a moment for herself I think if he had left her she might have actually voted no and let him be CEO but because he kind of followed her and started barking at her and just talking about himself he didn't present any other arguments he just said what about me what about me and I think in that moment her head like something in her head switched and was like absolutely not he should have he should have given us some space yeah I mean, there was a, you know, Kendall, as we know, is probably the most narcissistic of the three sibs. It's a tough competition. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a hotly contested category. But I would, I would say that he is the most narcissistic. But also, you did sympathise him with, with him to a degree when he started talking about how it had been promised to him as a seven-year-old boy and how messed up is that? And so he was groomed to not want anything else in life not consider himself able to do anything else. I mean, if you consider that he was born into unimaginable wealth, he could have easily gone off and done his own thing or whatever, but Logan clearly wanted control over him but didn't want him in control. So, you know, he was just born into this existence where there was really never going to be any other thing apart from constantly trying to become the successor. And his dad knew that and then – and yet – kind of allowed him to trail along but never let him near the kind of prize, which must have been awful for Kendall. I mean, it's a good trick that Succession has done, I think, in that getting us as an audience to sympathise with people who ostensibly are such loathsome, unimaginably privileged people. And yet by the end, you felt really sorry for Roman. You felt sorry for Shiv. You felt sorry for Kendall. You even felt sorry for Tom. Mm. Because you just felt, well, you've won, but what have you won? You've won the chance to be puppet mastered by yet another maniacal, erratic billionaire who's just told you to your face that he wants to fuck your wife and that your wife wants to fuck him. That's what you win. That's the prize. Let's go to the ads. Stay there to hear how we think Succession's ending compares to others in TV history. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome back. 
Still with me are the Evening Standards, Elizabeth Gregory and Hamish McBain. I don't think anyone was probably happy in the ending. There seemed to be a sort of misery across the board. Roman never really bounced back at all as well in this episode. We, you know, sometimes we've discussed the pattern before where it's like so whoever's, you know, sort of at the lowest at, um, at the start of the episode kind of comes back at the, at the end. But yeah. Roman sort of stayed down, didn't he? And just was sort of like a broken sort of shell of a person still. Yeah, and it didn't bode well for his future. No. Um, just sat kind of alone in a bar having a cocktail, which by by the way, is the same cocktail as Jerry's cocktail of choice, Aww. Martini. So it, that kind of felt like an ode to Jerry in a way, even if it was um, subconscious. Good spot. Yeah. Good spot. I would have liked more of a Jerry Roman conclusion, like a, a final meeting between them, just because that kind of felt like, you know, Jerry, we didn't really hear a lot from this episode. And that was one of the key relationships that Succession fans really loved is the Jerry Roman dynamic. Yeah, I feel I, if if I have a minor gripe with the finale and maybe the latter half of this season, it is that Jerry, if you compare her to someone like Carolina, who has always been a peripheral character, remained a peripheral character, stayed in the periphery, never really got to know anything about her. Whereas Jerry, for a good three seasons, was if not a main character, then, you know, you were really invested in her story and you kind of knew a bit about her, and especially with the Roman stuff. And it did feel like they had too many ends to tie up and she sort of got forgotten about a bit in the last few episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, f- I feel like the blame for this may have to lay at the door of Alexander Skarsgård for making Matson such a compelling Character. I mean, he he was a bit of a scene stealer, wasn't he? As in, he 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 just once he arrived in this season at that retreat with his hood up, in that it, it, he just sort of took over the show and became almost one of the the top the main characters. Mm-hmm. And I think probably I I don't know. I mean, I wasn't in the writers' room. I don't know, but I feel like they maybe have put more Matson in at the expense of some of those. Uh, outsider characters. Yeah, he was astonishing in this episode as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, that scene with Tom, like you touched on, was just wow. When everything from talking about the Xeroxed um, fish to mm-hmm. being so rude about um, Shiv, um, it was just like it was jaw dropping. Yeah. And it, but it really sh- reminded me actually that Matson's such an asshole because at the end of the day the fact that he fancies Shiv is the reason that he's firing her or at least one of them but I think sometimes I don't know I get like caught up in his shiny gold jackets and like forget that he has blood bricks and (laughs) that he's that he's that he's kind of literally terrible well it's very easy to get swept up by someone being handsome and well-dressed and you know to coin a phrase not giving a fuck. Like, he genuinely doesn't care about very much. Um, and those kind of characters are compelling. Uh, and you do, it does mean you overlook that they're terrible, terrible people. Yeah. And not that you're rooting for him, but you're just pleased when he's on stage, on, on screen, because it's just fun. Do you think he was deserving? Because obviously, Matson is the ultimate winner in all this, really. He got what he wanted in the end. He's got a puppet now with Tom, but, you know, he has all the power. Um, It felt true to life. I'm not sure whether deserving, but in the end, money does win or tends to. And that's why it was always going to be difficult for 
them to kind of persuade the board to vote against the deal because everyone else at that table gets this incredible golden parachute, which is why Frank wanted to vote for it. And um, so I think it was kind of inevitable. Um, but then you were just hoping that somehow they would manage to like, I don't know, well, those of us that were um, rooting for yeah. Waystar, which, <laughs> um, but it kind of made sense in the end, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I forgot to mention, which is silly of me as a Greg stan, is things kind of worked out for Greg. Like, you know, I mean, he didn't get the CEO position that we kind of speculated about. Last he got week. a nasty slap in the face, didn't he? <laughs> but he also hit back with Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was that was great. So, I mean, it was a nice moment for the Tom and Greg fans of that relationship to see that, despite Greg sort of ultimately selling him out and you know giving Kendall the heads up about what was going on, uh, Tom said he was going to take him with him by putting the sticker, the allocation sticker, on his head. Yeah, I saw someone. Say um, laziest Halloween outfits next year. <laughs> That's a good one, actually. Um, are we happy that the Tom Greg dynamic sort of was concluded in that way and that wrapped up their story? Yeah, I actually think that Greg's going to be devoted to Tom from this point onwards. Like, mm. um, I I know that he has the papers hidden um, stills, which he could use against Tom, but I just think he was so nearly out then and he was so freaked out that I think that from now on he's going to think do you know what Tom's got my back he had my back even when I betrayed him I'm sticking with this guy and I think that's he's going to be his like lapdog forever I think he will be his lapdog for a period of time and the minute an opportunity arises to screw Tom over and take the crown for himself he will take it but that means we need another series to cover that (laughs) but that's kind of the great thing about the ending in in a way is that it's put people on a path it's the end of the story of the succession but you can still imagine what they might be what they might be going on so there isn't that finality i have to say when i first finished watching it, i was craving a bit more finality like i'd like to know i'd like to see kendall living in a house on an island happy with his kids and roman running a (laughs) always such a pipe dream roman running a successful business in bloody Nuremberg or whatever and and yeah. you know but I I in, with a bit of distance I like the fact that it is slightly open ended mm-hmm. and cyclical because I feel like they'll never really escape their bloodline and who they are. So how do you think that this final ever episode of such a hit TV show compares with some of the other greats? I think it's up there for certain. Uh I think with time, people will see it as a more satisfying ending. They're at a great disadvantage to the Breaking Bads and the Sopranos and the and the Wires in that they can't kill people regularly. <laughs> well, no, but being serious, that does obviously help. Yeah. I wouldn't have ruled it out, to be honest. <laughs> but I do think the Sibs, the, the kitchen scene was beautiful, I thought. It was really, really cool. I love that. Those are my favorite moments in Succession, I think, is when the three of them just despite everything that's going on, no matter what stage they're at in terms of hating each other, not hating each other, the pressure they're under, they always just find these little pockets to regress to being five, six and three mm-hmm. and just having fun like uh, kids. Yeah, I agree that it was a fantastic final and um, they had so many different ends to tie up. Um, so, so many, if you think about all of the characters and um, all of the kind of spiraling pro- plot lines um, and they managed to do such a great job and there was real real drama in it like the moment where um, Shiv finds out from 
that Tom is going to be it. And she walks in and says to her brothers, we're off. And then yeah. Nicholas Brattel's incredible score and those kind of deep um, yeah, I don't know what musical instrument that is or whether it's a kind of combination, but it was just so dramatic. And then they like storm out and there were these really fantastic kind of jaw dropping moments. But they also like you were saying, Hamish, I think it was the contrast between those dramatic moments and then very, very, very intimate scenes between the siblings um, that made it so good. Succession is available to watch in the UK on Sky Atlantic and now. The Leader Podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.